everyone. Welcome back to the program. I'm sitting here with Dr. Heidi Mina. Heidi, thank you so much for being part of the program. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yes, ma'am. For those who are not familiar with the work you're doing, let them know about yourself. Sure, absolutely. So I'm a business psychologist, professor, author. For the most part, I think most people know what a professor and author are, but it's the business psychologist that always gets a few eyebrows raised. You're a psychologist? No, not quite a psychologist. So just to clarify, you know, I work within the business realm, but we deal with the people aspect of things within organizations. So we look at, you know, issues around high turnover rates within certain departments and try to figure out why that's happening. We work with corporate culture changes. So organizations that kind of want to make a shift from one culture to another culture, how do they do that while maintaining fluency with their staffing? We deal with a lot of the current issues that are going on within organizations right now. So dealing with labor shortages and keeping employees engaged and maintained and trying to get the maximum out of them as possible. And then we're also, you know, the new phenomenon is AI, right? So we're dealing with that coming into the workplace, how to address that with employees to kind of help them navigate and understand where AI is going to play a role and what their role is going to look like in the future. And a lot of that might require some reskilling or upskilling for individuals. So pretty much anything kind of in that realm is what we touch on within business psychology. So that's kind of what we think about. And it's just you know, we focus a lot on how people think about things and understanding the importance of forging those relationships and having a positive mindset in the workplace and thinking about things in a certain way. One of the terms that have really stood out to me, I think I'm going to say maybe within the last 18 months, is this term quiet quitting. For those who may not be familiar with quiet quitting is, Help us understand what is quiet quitting. So quiet quitting is simply our inability as leaders, as managers, if we can even say they're separate anymore, that's a whole different discussion, is basically our inability to identify or address the signs that we see within our employees. Because before they actually quit, they're giving us a lot of signals up front, and that can be really seen through levels of productivity. It can be seen through attendance tracking, um, discretionary effort that may no longer be there. So there's lots of signals and signs that they're letting us know that something has changed, whether it's with themselves personally, whether it's a disconnect with the values of the organization, whether it's burnout, stress, we really don't know unless we identify those signals early on and we learn how to bridge and have that conversation with the individual and try to find out how we as managers, leaders can assist them, help them, um, and really work towards minimizing that. So, because ultimately what it leads to is the person left. And then we sit there and we scratch our head and we're like, wow, we didn't see that coming. And why did they end up leaving the organization? I don't know. I have no idea. And we do exit interviews and we do, it's fantastic. Um, but a lot of times people opt to not do an exit interview or by the time that comes around, they're either so negative, they're just saying things that they don't really mean, or they're not putting a lot of effort into it because they feel like, what's the point? 
Um, what I actually prefer and what I push for are stay interviews. And so interview the employees that are there doing well, performing well, understand, have conversations with them, engage with them, understand what it is that they love about the work, I ask them what would they like to see different? How would they like to grow with the organization? What opportunities would they like to see? And help them create paths to prosperity. But again, at the end of the day, it comes down to having that conversation and being able to communicate with somebody. I like the way you presented it because most often the way it's presented, it's as though the the employee has disconnected and now they're doing the bare minimum. But the way you're presenting it is there are some signs that the employee mm -hmm. is leaving, which the employer or manager or supervisor needs to pick up on those signs because those are the signs that they are drifting away or disconnecting from the organization. Is that correct? Absolutely. So, I mean, yes, from the employee standpoint, it's a, it's a disconnect from the work. It's moving away from the work. But those are the signs that as managers, as leaders, we need to be watching for and say, hmm, you know, they used to never come in late. I wonder why they're suddenly, you know, 45 minutes late every day um, or, you know, they're skipping the weekly check in meetings. I wonder why that's happening. Um, you know, all these things can be signs that someone is quietly quitting the organization. And sometimes there isn't anything we can do about it. It could just simply be they are finding something else out about themselves, going through some life revolution, and they want to try a different career path, or it's just, a, and sometimes we have to be okay with that and let them go. But the ultimate goal within organizations is employee retention, especially now more than ever because of the tacit knowledge that individuals have within the workplace. We don't want to lose that knowledge. So we want to do whatever we can to keep our employees engaged, giving high levels of productivity, driving innovation, driving creativity, because that's what's going to be the future. Because we have two styles of work, right? We can do left brain work and we can do right brain work. And right brain work is very rudimentary. And the reality is, not today, not tomorrow, but probably soon some portions of that are going to be overtaken by AI. So it's the left brain work that we really need to be focusing on going forward. And that's more the creativity, the innovation, the mindset, the relationships, the things that the AI can't do. They don't have an emotional component. And as long as they can't do emotions, they're never going to be the same as a human. <laughs> we got them beat there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, you talk about that moment where that person maybe started a job and all of a sudden they realize, okay, my values have shifted. And maybe one of the biggest things that has happened is, is just a difficulty on finding this harmony or this balance. Recently, I even heard the term of work-life integration. So help us understand, is there such a thing as work-life balance or is it harmony or is it integration? Where are we with this? So, you know what, I think it's who you ask on one day of the week and one minute of the hour, you know, everyone has different terminologies for it. The reality is we have to look at the situation that we're currently in. I don't know that there's any proper term. It's whatever word you want to throw out at that moment. But the reality of it is, is we have traditional work environments, people being forced to go back to the office. 
And we have hybrid work environments now where people are allowed to work from home and then they go in a couple of days a week, maybe a couple of times a month. Um, and then we have fully remote work. So those those are the three buckets we have now landed in post pandemic. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of that, everyone's saying, you know, there's no work life balance. We can't disengage. We can't. I think it's an individual thing for everybody to set to honestly set their own boundaries. When you're working fully remote, there are radical levels of autonomy that is being bestowed upon the individual. And due to that, it's up to you to know when are you gonna work and how are you gonna get your work done and get everything else done without creating a level of stress so high that it leads to burnout. And mm. that's a very different answer for each individual person. Um, it works for some people, it doesn't work for others. So it's understanding yourself and understanding, maybe I do need that traditional go to the office, even if it's just a couple of days, maybe the hybrid environment is best for me. Um, I need that structure. I need to be in the office a couple of days a week to kind of just, you know, know I'm checking in, know when I'm checking out, kind of have that breather. The other days I can manage it. And then there's some people that are just need that structure to say, I'm here, I'm out, and this is my personal life we're completely separating the two, but it's really understanding your own personal self, your values and what you can manage as an individual. And that helps you find that perfect match. And this goes into a lot of the HR consulting we do as well. You know, the HR individual is looking for somebody who's going to be a match for the organization, right? So a lot of times when we go in for a job interview, the excitement takes over, the energy takes over, and we're just talking and we're trying to sell ourselves to get into the job. But that's not that's not the answer. What we should be doing is, yes, we have to answer their questions. We have to tell them all about our technical and our personal skills. But we need to be asking the same types of questions of them. We have to say to them, you know, what does the work environment look like? What are your expectations on us, you know, doing work, checking out? Um and that's going to be driven by the individual and what their values are. So you need to interview them as much as they interview you. For me personally, I don't work well in a nine to five structure, especially if we are building a corporate culture of creativity and innovation. It doesn't happen on a clock, unfortunately. Those aha moments, those moments of illumination, um, it, you can't force those. Those just come about naturally and organically. And the only way we can allow something like that to happen is by giving people that flexibility and that autonomy to go work on their own. Um, they, research has actually been done. People who typically work a nine to five, like a traditional check-in, check-out type day, they only really work about 45 minutes to so about an hour and 15 minutes of productivity um, between getting up, talking to somebody, going to a meeting, having lunch, getting the coffee, doing this, doing that, just kind of mindlessly realizing you're spacing out because you're thinking about the project that you're working on. You just, you're trying to get the answer because the clock's ticking, you need to get it done and you're getting locked in by that, by that barrier, that mental barrier. Um, but by taking those restrictions away, um, people like for myself, I work best first thing in the morning for a little while, and then I work best later in the afternoon, and the evening. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like that together would be a long length of time, but my level of productivity just probably went from like 10 to 15% to more like 60 to 70% per day. 
Wow, that is interesting. The I think the the part that you're presenting with reference to how post pandemic how mm-hmm. that has actually thrown a, a quote unquote monkey wrench into oh, yeah. the whole idea of work harmony is like the the world we knew is not the same, and so that harmony is going to look totally different. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And now we're dealing with heading into some sort of recession. We're dealing with labor shortages. We're, we're just dealing with supply chain issues all across the board. So there, mm-hmm. there's many, you know, intrinsic and extrinsic issues that organizations are dealing with. Um, employees are dealing with things. Managers are dealing with things. Senior managers are dealing with things that, and none mm-hmm. of them are really being transparent or communicating as best as they could. And that's really the key is we need that level of transparency. We need communication. We need less hierarchy in the organization so the communications can happen vertically and horizontally. Dr. Heidi, how do we maintain this communication? Because if we're working in in an environment where it's either A, hybrid, or B, all remote, Mm -hmm. I feel as though there is a bigger disconnect because well, everything is through Zoom and everything is through, you know, that that forum. How do we maintain connected despite the fact that we are in different places and even even different cities or states? Yeah, so absolutely. That is a fantastic question because that is been a major challenge. And when the pandemic was at its height, that was probably the number one complaint from employees is because as humans, we we desire human interaction, right? We're not designed to just stay in a bubble at home and not interact with anyone. And so that was initially, it was nobody really knew what to do, how to manage that type of environment. But we have to recognize whether it's 100% virtual or it's a hybrid or it's back in the workplace, it's really no different. It's just a different platform. And I think that's what scares us is we see a different platform and we think, oh, this has to be radically different. It really doesn't need to be. You still implement your weekly check-ins. You make sure you're meeting with your employees. You make sure you make yourself accessible at any point in time. You make up a calendar where they can just schedule, You know, if there's an emergency or something that comes on, you make yourself somewhat accessible, give them levels of priority in terms of communication. So if this is a critically important moment, you can text me. If this is just an FYI, you can send me an email. You you help them understand the best ways to maintain those levels of communication. Um, You know, you make sure you don't go more than two weeks without having talked to an employee and checking in with them. Um, That's really no different than what you would want to do in the traditional work environment anyways. Um, you do other things to help employees stay engaged with one another. So what would be some of the things you might traditionally do in the workplace? You might take them out to lunch. You could do the same thing here. You send out a gift card and say, here's, you know, $20 um, for DoorDash, order your lunch, hop on Zoom at 12 o'clock, we're all going to have lunch together. And, you know, you create, you find these different ways. So it's not that you can't be connected. It's just, you have to find different ways to continue doing that. Um, Does it take effort? Yes. But it takes effort whether you're in person as well too. And I think sometimes I have seen greater levels of effort in a fully virtual environment because people see it as an issue versus the 100% traditional, 
I sometimes see more complaints that there's a larger disconnect of communication and the people are sitting right next to each other because they take it for granted. They say to themselves in their mind, I'm right here next to the person. We can talk to each other whenever we want. So that level of communication doesn't always happen. Right, right. You know, at the start of the year, individuals set these New Year's resolutions and Mm -hmm. people either set goals or they use one word. And this one word anchors everything they do for the year. In this spectrum of either New Year's resolution and goals or one word, where do you tend to lean more on? Is it one word or New Year's resolution and goals? None of them. (laughs) I think the whole philosophy behind them doesn't work. Um, I think we should be constantly in a state of self-improvement working towards certain goals. And I don't think that should be set by a calendar year, a starting point, one particular word. It's habit forming. And so when we're in certain habits, we kind of have the, what I refer to as the shiny thing syndrome. So when we have that deadline or that new year's resolution, it's the shiny thing. It's the new thing that we're doing right now. That's why so many people by come mid-February, March, kind of fall back into old habits. It's not something that they've really thought through. It's not something that they've entrenched and really designed into their belief system that they're going to move forward and they're going to do X, Y, Z. It's a fad. It's a phenomenon. It's something that they mentally get caught up behind um, the way that our society has kind of developed that. So the better way of thinking about it is how do I constantly learn? How do I make myself better? How do I accept feedback from others and take that as a learning point? And how do I set these little goals and then celebrate the successes as I reach those goals? And that to me is much more important and critical um, in in terms of changing habits. Because believe it or not, depending on whether you're talking about a very incremental change or whether you're talking about a truly transformational change, because you have two levels, right? An incremental change could take you five, six weeks, really, before you could say, this is this is the way I do it now. And I know I, I can't even think about going back to the other way. Like it doesn't even feel right anymore. Those transformational changes can seriously take two to three years to really get to a point where you can say, I don't need to cognitively think about this anymore. I don't need to place hundred percent of my focus to ensure that I'm staying on this track, that it is now the, the way I do it. Cause I could, I, again, I can't go back. I can't feel those other things anymore. It's just unnatural. Um, but the change process is something that does take a while to do. And it's it, changing habits is time consuming. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. So I know when it comes to reference to the one word or the new year's resolutions, it's neither for you. But if you were to establish one word for your life's work, what would that one word be? Uh, Learning. For me, that would be the guide, learning. Awesome. Dr. Heidi, for those who are connected and want to get connected with you, how could they do so? (laughs) So I am on Facebook as Dr. Heidi Gregory Mina. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Heidi underscore. I'm on LinkedIn as Dr. Heidi. And then I have my website, www.drheidigregorymina.com. 
similar email address, drheidegregorymina at gmail.com. So you see the you see a little trend there. <laughs> so pretty much if you type, type in Dr. Heidi Business Psychologist, you'll find me. <laughs> Dr. Heidi, thank you so much for being part of the program. Oh, no problem. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yes, ma'am.